Welcome to Startup Confidential. What industry insiders will never tell you that you need to know if you're building a consumer brand. With your host, best-selling author of Ramping Your Brand, Dr. James Richardson. Let's do this. Welcome to episode 89, Boba Tea. Trend or fad? I do not drink boba tea. I don't even like it, really. I've known about it for years, though, because boba shops started appearing in Seattle and L.A. within Taiwanese expat communities in the 1990s, folks. Seattle even has three Taiwanese boba tea chain outlets, like multinational chains, and over 100 boba tea locations. The first boba outlet, I believe, appeared in the International District in Seattle, including one inside the famous Asian grocery store where white people go to get Asian hot hot food. Ujimaya. It's a boba revolution on the West Coast, folks, especially if you're under the age of 40, which I am not. Exponential growth in Google searches for boba in the recent, basically the last three years, suggests we are on the upswing of an acceleration in the growth in this new category, this new, you know, admittedly food service category. You know, but is this a long-term trend? Is it a new packaged drink category ready to form? Or is this all just a severe case of pandemic boredom? It wasn't until recently that bubble tea actually crossed the racial boundary, to be quite honest, between Asians and the rest of America. Well, at least until it reached non-Asians as anything other than a West Coast Asian tourism drink. Yes, visiting Chinatown, sorry to say, still in San Francisco, Seattle, and LA, you know, has been a white tourist thing going on for decades. I even did it in the 70s. Boba tea shops spread first beyond Asian neighborhoods to university campus districts, such as the University District in Seattle. The U District there has 20, no, I'm not lying, 20 separate boba tea shops today. And a bunch of them are the Taiwanese multinational chains, not just local Taiwanese-owned boba shops. Seboboa? The University District in Seattle is having its second annual bubble tea fest this April. Oh my god. This is how you build a category awareness beyond Asian Americans and immigrants specifically. And in 2021, Boba Up, this is funny, Boba Up is the first self-serve Boba stand, I believe in North America, where you can personalize on the sidewalk at a counter your Boba drink like a frozen yogurt cup. Thank God. I hate when the brand decides for me what the thing should be. I hate that. If you don't live in Seattle, don't feel left out. National Bubble Tea Day, folks, is April 23rd. Put it in your calendar. I'm sure, I haven't looked, but I'm sure Los Angeles is doing something fun for all you tapioca milk tea junkies. What is so attractive about bubble tea to Americans of all backgrounds? One, it's full of sugar, folks. <laughs> Two, as a milk-laced tea, it plays off of America's latte and mocha obsession. Three, it integrates, in its cafe form, the cool personalized toppings bar element of a frozen yogurt chain like mint cheese or pinkberry. Four, it's a cold energy drink like cold brew, which has taken off in the last 20 years. Five, it has less caffeine than most of the coffee-based alternatives. Six, it's so much fun to say in Taiwanese or English. Hey listeners, exponential growth involves more than a killer product, great fundraising, and a great team. You need superb analytics to ride the ramp. Dr. Richardson's latest online course is now available, Effective Consumer Marketing for Early Stage Founders. You can find course pricing and details at premiumgrowthsolutions.com courses. 
And now, back to the episode. One of the interesting things about the recent explosion in boba tea is that it appears to really have accelerated during the pandemic. In fact, a measurable percentage, based on my hasty review of Secretary of State business filings in Washington State, maybe as many as half of Seattle's current boba tea shops appeared in just the last two years. I mean, did everyone get the same boba piece in their news feed in 2020? Signs that this is not just an Asian curiosity beverage trend with a pseudo-racist veneer are, one, boba tea has multiple bridges to mainstream beverage experiences in America. The latte, cold brew, froyo toppings, sugary summer yum-yum. Two, asiophilic trends are spreading pretty fast across American food culture amongst millennials and Gen Z kids, including my own, who have more contact with Asian Americans at college than most people in my generation, although not me who went to Snottyville. Number three, educated young Americans, you know, they tend to have more Asian friends from college or postgraduate life in the major West Coast cities, at least. And four, you know, boba tea packs more sensory delight than a boring cold brew or nitro coffee on a hot summer day. I mean, let's be honest. Now, signs that boba tea may actually be a, a little cafe whoop-de-woo that peters out. Number one, boba tea is super unhealthy. <laughs> so this limits its reach, I would argue, into the 30 and over set quite a bit. It's a sugar bomb. And it's also why young boba lovers may age out of it unless that some vastly healthier versions appear, which is a, just a formulation issue, really. Two, the most cracked out boba fans are teenagers and middle schoolers. So <laughs> those are the people in the lines with their parents. The parents are just there to get it for them. This is not an expandable market. And kids often age right out of these weird little goofy teenage life stage, whatever they are. Unless boba tea can use bottled versions of itself to contain, you know, that original cafe demographic bubble, you know, like keep them at the tea shops and then let the adults go have something different at the packaged grocery stores. And this is all possible, especially as the early boba lovers get older and start to change their diets. Number three, I think the era has passed. I really do, folks, for another Frappuccino-like sugar bomb category to scale into the billions in the packaged beverage world. Could packaged boba tea become a $500 million category? Absolutely, yes. But to become a billion-dollar-plus beverage category, it's going to need to transform a lot from the boba tea shop formulations, a lot of which are artisanal almost and super expensive, and sell, therefore, like you know, seasonally fun things like ice cream. They don't sell like convenience beverages. I've counted at least seven boba tea brands in the packaged beverage world already. Now, most are experimenting with higher-end boba bottled in glass for upmarket educated folks like the founders themselves. Now, there's going to be a huge shakeout as these brands grow because then they're not all going to scale. But I think the space is much better situated overall than that sad switchel thing that, you know, I think is gone finally. Turns out, sweet beets sour in basically any category I can imagine in the North American dietscape. And it really, really does in beverages. The one problem Switchell had was that its older sour cousin kombucha had already stopped growing when it finally appeared. And if a probiotic health benefit couldn't get kombucha to keep growing, then it ain't gonna work for, uh, Switchell. At least boba tea has no overt health drivers at all. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say. 
with this audience, but ironically, it's probably its best hope for becoming a steadily growing fixture in the American beverage landscape. To do so, though, it, it needs to find a home in the Walmart end of the market, where cheap sugary yum still sells at massive scale. Starbucks figured out how to bottle up its Frappuccinos in the late 1990s and did really well scaling this into a $1 billion plus business, folks. It's huge. But it also built the product line before the anti-sugar craze built in America, before obesity paranoia hit the educated classes. Someone will scale a bottled boba tea, I have no doubt. But it may not become a billion dollar takeover of the bottled latte mocha frappuccino option. That's all I got, folks. And remember, as always, be safe out there. Thanks for listening. Remember, Dr. Richardson has loads of resources for founders at premiumgrowthsolutions.com. And when you're on his site, don't forget to take his founder's quiz and see if you're ready to ride the skate ramp of exponential growth.